Welcome to the news with NDTV. The day is Tuesday, February 13th. In today's episode, why are farmers protesting despite government assurances? Ashok Chavan joins BJP a day after parting ways with Congress. Prime Minister Narendra Modi's UAE visit and international pressure mounts on Israel after Rafah bombings. First up, farmers Chalo Delhi call commenced with clashes. As farmers approached various Delhi borders today, police resorted to the use of tear gas at Shambhu border between Punjab and Haryana. Ahead of the call for the February 13th march, Punjab and Haryana had deployed security forces, sealed borders using barricades and cement blocks in some places, and banned large gatherings in several districts. As the farmers attempted to remove these barriers, the police used drones to drop tear gas shells and monitor the protesting farmers. But why are the farmers continuing their march despite two meetings of farmer leaders with union ministers Piyush Goyal and Arjun Munda to strike negotiations? Well, the farmers have a list of demands which include a law guaranteeing minimum support prices for all crops, repealing the Electricity Act 2020, compensation for farmers killed in Lakhimpur Kheri and the withdrawal of cases against those involved in the farmers' movement, along with pensions and waivers for farmers and farm labourers. The government has reportedly agreed to withdraw cases against farmers registered during the 2020-2021 agitation. But the point of contention appears to be a demand for a law that will guarantee a minimum support price or MSP. In 2022, nine months after the long protest against the now-repealed three controversial farm laws, the centre set up an expert committee. But the absence of representation from Punjab, Haryana, Uttar Pradesh and economists from this committee raised concerns. As the farmers insist on an immediate legal guarantee for the MSP, their march toward Delhi continues. Some farmers claimed they had rations worth six months and everything else they would need to camp out and wait till their demands were met. Next, former Maharashtra Chief Minister joins BJP. A day after resigning from the Congress party membership, Ashok Chavhan, former Maharashtra Chief Minister, has joined the Bharatiya Janata Party. According to sources, Mr. Chavhan will also file nomination papers for the upcoming Rajya Sabha elections. As six of Maharashtra's 19 Rajya Sabha seats will fall vacant in April, the departure of three senior leaders from Congress is concerning for the party. Congress has one Rajya Sabha seat occupied by Kumar Ketkar. In Maharashtra, a party needs 41 MLAs in the 288-member house to elect one person to the Rajya Sabha. After Mr. Chavhan's exit, Congress has 41 MLAs left and one more departure could spell trouble for Mr. Ketkar's re-election. With a couple of months left for the general elections, sources suggest more departures can be expected from Congress in Maharashtra. Mumbai Congress leader Sanjay Nirupam without naming Mr. Chavhan directly, said, and I quote, He had approached the top leadership. Had his complaint been taken seriously, this situation would not have happened. Unquote. Maharashtra also has 48 Lok Sabha seats. The two major factions in Maharashtra are Mahayuti, with Eknath Shinde's Shiv Sena, BJP and Ajit Pawar's NCP. The other one is Mahavikas Aghadi, led by Uddhav Thakre, with Shiv Sena UBT, Sharad Pawar's NCP, Congress and other parties. In a press conference slamming the former Mahavikas Aghadi government, 
Chief Minister Eknath Shinde claimed that Mahayuti is moving ahead with Mission 48 to win all Lok Sabha seats in Maharashtra. Next, Prime Minister Modi's UAE visit. Prime Minister Narendra Modi began his two-day visit to the United Arab Emirates and Qatar on Tuesday and highlighted the robust ties India shares with these nations. He said that his visit would deepen India's bilateral ties with both the nations. His visit comes after authorities in Qatar released eight former Indian Navy personnel on Monday. The Navy veterans were jailed in Qatar over alleged espionage charges and thanked the Prime Minister for his personal intervention in facilitating their release. Before leaving from Delhi, PM Modi said and I quote, Our cooperation with the UAE has grown many-fold over the last nine years in diverse sectors such as trade, investment, defence and education. Unquote. He scheduled to address the Indian diaspora at an event in Abu Dhabi on February 14th. On the 15th, he will inaugurate the BAPS Hindu Mandir in Abu Dhabi, the first traditional Hindu stone temple in West Asia. Indian ambassador to UAE, Sanjay Sudhir, said that 65,000 people had registered for the Ahlan Modi event, which means Hello Modi, scheduled for this evening. As many as five high-level visits by top leaders have taken place between India and UAE since 2023, with the relations between the two nations touching new highs. During the Prime Minister's visit to Abu Dhabi last year, several MOUs were signed, covering areas such as local currency settlement, payment and messaging systems, renewable energy and innovation in healthcare. Breaking from breaking news for a minute, if caught riding a bike without a helmet, what is your go-to? Apologise to the cops, pay a fine, well not for one 28-year-old Sayyid Safi in Bengaluru. He had other plans. The helmetless scooty rider bit the finger of a traffic constable in a getaway attempt, leading to his immediate arrest and massive viral online outrage against such offenders. He is charged with abusing and physically hurting police personnel on duty, criminal intimidation and breach of peace. Now back to news. International pressure mounts on Israel after Rafah bombings. As Israel conducted a pre-dawn raid in Rafah, in the southern Gaza Strip on Monday, to free two hostages and killing around 100 people in the process, several countries and organisations have appealed to Israel once again for a ceasefire. The Israeli attack on the Palestinian city came after refusing a truce deal with Hamas, which proposed the exchange of hostages with some conditions. British Foreign Secretary David Cameron urged Israel to stop its latest military action in war-torn Gaza after the deadly overnight bombing. Cameron told reporters, and I quote, We are very concerned about the situation and we want Israel to stop and think seriously before it takes any further action. Unquote. Meanwhile, China urged Israel to stop its military operation in the Gazan city as soon as possible, warning of a serious humanitarian disaster if the fighting did not stop. Notably, South Africa had taken Israel to the International Court of Justice, demanding to consider Israel's action in Gaza as genocide. Israel had rejected the claims as baseless. Now, after the Rafah bombings, the International Criminal Court's Chief Prosecutor, Karim Ahmed Khan, is concerned about a possible Israeli ground offensive into Rafah, warning that anyone breaching international law would be held accountable. The ICC opened a probe in 2021 into Israel, as well as Hamas and other armed Palestinian groups for possible war crimes in the Palestinian territories. 
Khan has previously said this investigation now extends to the escalation of hostilities and violence since the attacks that took place on October 7, 2023. Hours before the latest Israeli offensive, Netanyahu spoke with US President Joe Biden, who reiterated his opposition to a major assault on Rafah. The United Nations has also warned Israel against carrying out ground offensive into Rafah without a plan to protect civilians, who say that they have nowhere left to go. And lastly, some positive feedback for the Indian economy. Nobel laureate economist A. Michael Spence has claimed that India has successfully developed one of the best digital economy and finance architecture in the world, highlighting that India is a major economy with the highest potential for growth rate right now. He said, and I quote, "It is open, competitive, and delivers services of an inclusive kind to a vast array of territory." Unquote. He made the statements during an interaction with students and faculty. at Bennett University he added that as the center of gravity is shifting steadily towards the east there is a fundamental change in the global economy where supply chains are getting diversified and global governance is becoming more complicated that's all for today you were listening to the news with ndtv your daily newspaper and tv news bulletin in a compact podcast If you want to catch up with the day's events in a hurry, do remember to subscribe to the News with NDTV on Spotify, iTunes, Jio Seven, and the NDTV News app. This is your host Anviti signing off.